0: McCarthy ain't going anywhere. We know that. He is staying as the head coach of Dallas. We heard from the head coach of Dallas today after getting that news. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons here with you on Amber and Ian. You can find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find him as well at Amber W Sports. So Ian, it took just three days for us to find out from that terrible loss to Jerry making the decision to retain Mike McCarthy's services. And then we got the press conference from Mike McCarthy. That was after the fallout that you and I got two hours of our phone line blowing up on last night's show. Because Cowboys fans, not so happy yesterday. Not so happy.
1: No, and I wasn't happy in that dentist chair, by the way. Because the, the part they let left out in that intro is it also had to pee for an hour and a half. But anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. That's how Cowboy fans felt, right? Remarkably <laughs> uncomfortable and yeah, I have not found a single Cowboy fan, and I live in Dallas, Texas. My wife is a diehard Cowboy fan. Now, look, she's happy for Mike McCarthy. I'm thrilled for Mike McCarthy and that entire coaching staff, as I mentioned last night multiple times. I'm just shocked that Jerry made the decision. I'm thrilled that, they, that no moving trucks are being called for strength and conditioning coaches and assistant coaches and their families. They get to stay. They're not not putting for sale signs in their yards. And a lot of people don't understand or or don't even comprehend that when you fire a head coach, whether it's college football or in the NFL, there's a lot of families that are impacted by that. And that's the life they chose. But I'm still shocked, still stunned 24 hours later after we talked to Adam Schefter last night right here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio that Jerry Jones kept Mike McCarthy. Going back to his tone in training camp, how he thought this team was built to make a run, and then how it ended in remarkably embarrassing fashion and his tenor and tone and message in the locker room after the game where he said he couldn't comprehend what just happened. Now, we weren't expecting if he's going to fire somebody, Jerry takes his time. He never makes a passionate or emotional decision. And he, he took three days and kept Mike McCarthy. And I'm thrilled, again, for, for for Coach McCarthy. But again, I can't emphasize this enough how shocked I am because of what Jerry said to begin the season and his tone at the end of the season that he made the decision that he did.
0: It would typically not be shocking to keep, keep a coach with a 42-25 and 25 regular season record. A coach that has won the NFC East twice in the past three years, that has made the playoffs three straight years. That's his longest streak since that 1991-96 run that the Cowboys had where they won three Super Bowls. Since that time, they have not had a streak of even making the playoffs like they've done with Mike McCarthy. So typically, if you consider all that, it would make all the sense to keep Mike McCarthy. But everybody was shocked. And why? It's because of that one-in-three record in the playoffs. That's why Dallas Cowboys fans were so heated yesterday on our show when they were calling in. I would imagine Mike McCarthy heard, maybe not those calls, I don't know if he's a big fan of Amber and Ian. If not... Mike, give us a a try, right? Flip on that radio every once in a while. But I'm sure he has heard the noise. I'm sure over the last 24 hours, he has heard some of that disappointment and he knows the pressure is very high in Dallas. It's very high no matter what. If he had won a playoff game, frankly, the pressure still would have been very high when you have that star on the helmet. But here is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys at his press conference today amongst all the criticism, all the questions, not from his owner, though. His owner has given him that vote of confidence. He is staying as the head man. And here is Mike McCarthy's message to the fans.
2: We have a, an unbelievable fan base, uh, and they have—and they should be frustrated. Um, uh, we're extremely disappointed, uh, disappointed for them, uh, disappointed in our performance. Uh, but my, my message would be this. Uh, we, we, we have established a, a you know, a championship program it's just not the world championship yet Uh, we know how to win Uh, we know how to train to win we have the we have the right people um, but we have not crossed the threshold winning playoff games and um, and it's extremely disappointing to be sitting here talking about it Um, but you know I I know how to win and and uh, we will get over that threshold Uh, I have total confidence in it and and that's why I'm standing here today
0: he doesn't know how to win. He's done a lot of it in the regular season. He did it in the postseason somewhere else, right? I, he did it on the highest stage somewhere else. But in Dallas, Dallas fans want more.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and not not just one more, they want it all. And it's not just from Mike McCarthy. It's Jerry. You know, and, and I can't emphasize this enough. To every Dallas Cowboy fan out there wishing that Jerry Jones would sell the team, it's never going to happen. We've talked about this for twenty years. It's never going to happen. As a matter of fact, Stephen Jones will take over and Charlotte Jones. They're going to be the ones, his daughter, who is COO of the Dallas Cowboys, they are the ones that are going to take over after Jerry. And Jerry has relinquished a lot of the football decisions to Will McClay, uh, you know, his director of football ops, who is, by the way, again, we talked about this last night for people who may have missed it. Will McClay has been courted to be a general manager of, for several different teams, and he's turned them down to stay with the Dallas Cowboys. But Jerry has relinquished a lot of those football decisions. But he's still the face of the franchise, and that's the number one thing he covets more than anything else, to be the face of the franchise when they win a Lombardi. It's gone from when to if in a hurry. And this decision to keep Mike McCarthy, look, again, I'm all for Mike McCarthy staying on. It's just a matter of now, what do you do? Uh, it was from from personnel standpoint, because you got to sign Dak, or else he probably he probably won't go out there on a lame duck contract and risk injury. You've got sixteen free agents. You got to sign CD Lamb. You got to sign Micah Parsons. I mean, there's a lot that comes into a team that that was a two seed that had won sixteen straight games at home. That all of a sudden, I mean, it was tailor made for you. Like the finest Italian silk known to mankind that was put on your body by the best tailor in the world to make a run at the NFC Championship game, and you blew it. You you took that suit, and you shot the tailor, right? And then next thing you know, or gutted him and burned the suit. So now what do you do? Because now you have to rebuild a lot of this. Who do you sign? How do you do it? And who do you replace and who do you keep when it comes to all those free agents that they have? It's not going to be easy when you try and run it back yet again. But that's what Jerry has decided to do. And I am now I'm damn forget fascinating. I'm hypnotized to see how this whole thing plays out.
0: Yeah, I I don't think you do rebuild it. I I think you try to retain it. And doing that means that you have to re-sign Dak because he's got a 60 million dollar cap hit. Next season, and that's going to make paying any of those other pieces that you just mentioned that they need Ooh. to retain impossible. So, you have to renegotiate with Dak and give him an extension if not for nothing else other than spreading out that cap hit, frankly. And you hope that he's willing to work with you in doing all of that. Dak has a no trade clause, Dak has you can't franchise tag him. Dak is a very Dak Prescott friendly contract, so he's got all the power and he knows he knows his cap hit. He knows that the Dallas Cowboys need to re-sign him. Now, is Dak going to be willing to play ball after that loss, after himself coming off of arguably his best season or certainly his best season since his rookie season? And by the way, that best season for Dak Prescott came once Mike McCarthy did take over the play-calling duties. Mike McCarthy, as a first-year play-caller for the Cowboys, the Cowboys led the NFL in scoring. They were number five in yards You saw the improvements from Dak, who led the league in touchdown passes, uh, led the lead and and completed completed almost 70% of his passes, which led the league as well. I mean, it was a heck of a year from Dak Prescott overall. Didn't look anything like that in the postseason in a single game. Maybe the way that it ended, that disappointment gives the Cowboys a little bit of hope that Dak will play some ball with them, though, and structure this contract so that you can have some flexibility to keep some of those other pieces and bring some new pieces in to get them over that postseason hump. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, after much debate about his future, is Mike Tomlin about to get an extension from the Steelers? We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code
1: 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better
3: because it has to be.
0: Well, Mike Tomlin was in no mood to talk about his contract just the other day after getting balanced from the postseason, Ian. It appears... He's in a better mood now, and now he's a little bit more willing to have those conversations about his contract because we got to hear from Mike T. today. Amber and Ian here with you. Uh, Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons, and he was in better spirits. Let's take a listen to Mike Tomlin addressing how he left his presser the other day when Brooke Pryor asked him about his contract.
2: In a little better mood today, man. Anybody got any contract questions? Uh, I'll say this. um, I certainly could have handled – Uh, that situation better than I did. But I'll also say this. Um, I just believe there's a time and place for everything. And post-game press conferences are probably not the place uh, to address contract issues and things of that nature. It's just a very individual thing. And on game day, um, I doubt any of us are in that mindset. Certainly I am not. Um, What's required to do what it is that we do, uh, the amount of focus um, pouring into a collective, I'm just not in that mind state. And I just don't believe that's the appropriate venue, um, to talk about things of that nature.
1: Okay. I agree with everything he just said, every bit of it, but he could have said that at the podium. Yep. And, but in the moment, I mean, he literally, it, 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 I, the more I've watched it, Amber, and we are now what now three days removed, his immediate, it didn't hit the podium. He just, I mean, it was a Marine Corps, whoop, about face, forward march, exit, stage, left. And it cracks me up every time. I mean, it it's, really does. It's very uh, I funny. Mean, it, it, it is funny. Is it's awesome.
0: rude to Brooke Breyer, but it, but it is funny video but it ended I, up being. And, 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 and it was material for a while. Oh, <laughs> we it would did. have had If he had just given us that answer on that day, we would have had nothing to talk about.
1: But. Again, to his point, though, right? I mean, in the moment, yeah, he was hacked off. He was he was livid that they just lost a playoff game again. And he just didn't want to hear about contracts. So if he gives us that answer, and I, 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 we all appreciate him acknowledging, you know what? My bad. But then he also gave a scolding. There's a time and place. And there is. I completely agree with him that that is not the time to be asking about, or the place, about a contract. You know I don't,
0: but I never, I never worked this role. You did, right? Where the reporter role, where you're inside the locker rooms all the time and you're asking the questions. I did it, but so many years ago, it hardly even counts, frankly. So I certainly never did it at these levels here at ESPN. And so from in, the practice, outside looking in, yeah, for it, me, I'm looking at it like, you ask whenever, where, like, you ask what you need, if you're a reporter, you get the information you need, and it shouldn't be up to the person you're asking on their time, if you're the reporter, you're doing your job, if she's doing her job, like, if she needs that information because she's trying to write a story, then that's the time, that's the time she has access to him, so that's her time to ask him. That information, I get that you might feel differently about it because you've been well,
1: there. Well, it all depends on the, on the backside. If your producer or editor is, is telling you, hey, I'll, I'll give us a contract story, you know, whatever, then that, that may be different if, if you're getting it from above. like I've had my producer in my ear going, you got to ask this question to a coach who just lost a game and may be going to another game, right? And it's a post-game right. interview. Man, it ain't easy. It ain't, and, and, and nine out of ten times, I'm going to wave him off. Like, no, I am not asking that question on the field right now after a game that they won or lost about a job he may or may not be taking. Ain't doing it. Ain't the place. Now, after we're done with the interview, I will walk off, right, and make a, hey, coach, I wasn't going to ask you this on air, but. And then you file it. You know, so, but I'm not criticizing Brooke at all, but I understand what Tomlin was saying there. Like, in, in his moment, that ain't the time or place to do it. The bigger picture here is he ain't going anywhere. He's staying And there was a lot of speculation that he may be going the Sean Payton route of take a year off, recharge, and then jump back in with another team. He is staying loyal to that soil and not going anywhere. So the next question was when it comes to quarterback, because if you don't have one, you don't have a shot. So when it comes to his quarterback, is it Kenny Pickett? Is he QB one going forward? Is it going to be an open competition? Is the quarterback in your room? Here's what Mike Tomlin said.
2: He will, but obviously there will be competition. There's always competition in this thing. Um, We don't anoint anyone. Um, Man, I'm appreciative of his efforts and where he is and excited about continuing to work with him. But certainly um, he will be challenged from a competition perspective uh, moving forward. Um, Competition brings the best out in all of us.
1: Could not agree more.
0: That did not sound like a ringing endorsement of Kenny Pickett, though, by any means.
1: But that last part, competition brings the best out in all of us. And a lot of college football players that hit the damn transfer portal, you might want to take note. But anyway, look, when it comes to Kenny Pickett, I agree with you, Amber. It wasn't a ringing endorsement, but they they, they drafted him 20th overall. He's not twenty three. Right? I mean, he's coming on, what, 25, 26 now. He's, he started, what, 50 games in college. Should he be further along? Absolutely. Did an injury set him back a bit this year? Absolutely. But I love the message that he also went He was also posed the question, is your quarterback on your roster right now? He said yes. So I thought that was also a very smart and cagey move by a veteran head coach who's been around for the better part of a decade and a half. Because you're not going to drive the price up on a Justin Fields or any other free agent or potential trade target you know, when it comes to other quarterbacks. That was a message to Mason Rudolph, who's going to be a free agent. You want to fight? It's open competition. Can he pick it? You better lock your jaw because competitions are coming. I thought he answered that question about as perfectly as any coach could.
0: I'm not really sure what. People expect them to do with Kenny Pickett. Right. I mean, it's not like he'd have some really high trade value right now and you've got him on a deal. He's entering the third year of a four year, 14 million dollar deal. Why wouldn't you try again with Kenny Pickett or at least keep him in the clubhouse, so to speak, and try to get whatever you can out of him? And like you said, it's competition there. By the way, that phrase competition brings out the best in us. I think that only applies to competitive people. <laughs> but it certainly hey, works you're, here. Hey, in in spot sports. on. You're right.
1: You you are you're you not could like, not be more correct. Absolutely.
0: If, it, if you're not a very competitive person, you just you just walk away when there's too much competition. Ah screw this. Uh but in these circles it's absolutely correct, because these dudes are all hyper, hyper competitive to have made it to that level of professional sports, and so it's probably good for Kenny Pickett to have some competition, and also good for Mason Rudolph or whoever else ends up in that QB room. They do have a quarterback problem, but I think even maybe more, more notably, they have a coordinator problem, and Mike Tomlin, he's going to have to make some changes there. He did say in that presser that he anticipates making an outside hire at OC, so what does that? mean that means eddie Faulkner and uh mike sullivan who were splitting those oc duties after matt canada got fired that those are probably not going to be those same roles for those guys next season and that he's going to be looking on the outside to hire which i think is interesting
1: yeah and and, you know some guys go the college route look look at john harbaugh head coach of the baltimore ravens what did he do i mean a lot of people criticized him for this he went to the university of georgia two-time national champion and when you know what I'll watch that Georgia team the last two years with an undersized quarterback, but explosive wideouts, great mm-hmm. running game, big offensive line, and they annihilated people. I'm going to go get their guy, Todd Monken, mm-hmm. and look what that has done by adding Zay Flowers at a wide receiver, a first-round draft pick out of Boston College. You bring in Odell Beckham Jr. You know J.K. Dobbins goes down before the season with another injury, the running back out of Ohio State and they don't miss a beat. You lose Mark Andrews, and you're still clicking. You know, John Harbaugh took a chance and didn't go the NFL route, right? He went the college route. If I'm Mike Tomlin, I am scouring the country in elite Power 5 college programs and coordinators or quarterback coaches around the National Football League and finding the perfect fit for my, not just his team, but also his personality.
0: Yeah, That goes a long way. A long way. That's going to be one of the big changes that we see coming and one of the things that Mike Tomlin absolutely, of course, needs to get right because the voices are loud. Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere. He's probably getting an extension. It does seem like him and Art Rooney are working towards an extension right now. The team just has Mike Tomlin locked up through the 2024 season, but he has made it clear he does not want to take a break from coaching football coming up next year on amber Ian, how important has dan campbell been to the rise of the detroit lions we will ask a detroit lion
3: we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens you grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely we've all been there
0: Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. We are getting you ready for the divisional round. Let's talk to somebody who's going to be in it. Lions fullback Jason Kambinda. Thanks, Jason, so much for joining us. Ian, this is one of the greats.
1: Uh, he is. He's one of my favorite players to cover in college football. He's a leader at Penn State. He's a leader in that Lions locker room, and he's coming off the IR. And Kumbinda, it good to see you back on the field, especially in a playoff game. And let's begin there. Coming off IR and you get back on the field in a playoff game emotionally, man. What was that like for you,
3: man? It's it's, it's been huge, honestly, bro. Uh, to see um to see this this program, this organization, kind of done the three sixty that it's done in these past five years, and you know being a part of it from you know the, the Matt Patricia days and you know those those tough years that we had, you know four win teams, five win teams, to you know now being a team that's that's still in the hunt, you know this late in the season is a very special thing you know Detroit's a special city it's a special place this city's been dying for a winner so you know you, you could easily see that energy when we were at four field man I mean you just had a, a ton of people with, with that felt like they had been waiting their entire life for this moment that was the energy all, all game long so we're super excited to be able to host another playoff game and and get that same uh showing if not even better
0: Yeah, a lot of them have been waiting their entire lives, (laughs) Jason, for that moment, quite literally, (laughs) literally in that city of Detroit. Obviously, it is far from over this season. Heck of a season, though, for you guys already winning the division, winning a playoff game. The goal, I would imagine, is not achieved yet. But do you have an opportunity? I mean, you're realizing it from the fans, how excited that they are. Do you have an opportunity as a player to truly absorb all of that and what you are part of and what you're creating for that town?
3: Yeah, you know, we try to to just have, like, that 24-hour rule. You know, you take it in, you know, that 24 hours that night, you know, bid that next day. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still in the hunt, and and there's still that next challenge coming in with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, uh, at the end of the day, you can't allow yourself to to get too high or too low or too caught up in, you know, the emotion of it all. But I'm sure there's going to be a moment, you know, when this season is over where we'll be able to look back and kind of, you know, reflect about how special it was and how special the people in this building uh, are.
1: Jason, you, you already described, you know, the the emotion and and what that city is like and how alive it is right now. What does that say not just about the power of football, but the power of sports?
3: Yeah, you know, um, I I I I, I kind of describe it and kind of compare it a little bit to my time when I was at Penn State. You know, coming out of those sanctions and kind of the city was down. You know, they were so used to you know, this winning team. And now we had those sanctions, the sanctions got lifted off. In those first two years we were kind of just an average team. And then, you know, that junior year, we won the Big Ten Championship. And it felt like Happy Valley, Valley was was happy again, you know. And obviously, this is on a much grander scale being that you know, this is an, an entire city. But it's kind of that, that same vibe, you know. You know, it, it just feels like everybody's going to work happy because they got that pride in their lives the way they've always wanted to have it. So I, I think we're all really excited and really happy that – You know, we're able to give the fans that sense of pride in their team. And, you know, you see people going out wearing the Detroit Lions high and proud, and they always were. And I I truly feel like that's why we have the best fans, because they've been with us literally through thick and thin. And um, I, I think this moment is just super, super sweet for them.
0: If those fans are still there, then you're right. Uh, they they might be the best <laughs> fans in the world with some of the years that they, they put are. up with. Uh, it is nice, though, <laughs> to see you guys uh, giving them what they what they do deserve in that town. Lions fullback Jason Cabinda joining us here on Amber and Ian. Let's talk about your head coach. He feels like he fits into that market perfectly. We know about the sound bites, Jason. We know about the biting off kneecaps. Tell me something about Dan Campbell that we might not know about.
3: I mean, I'm sure you guys may know this, but, I mean, Dan is really just, He's as genuine as they come, um, I remember that one interview he did you know his little press conference when he first had taken a job, and everybody kind of you know went viral, and everybody was talking about it you know like biting kneecaps, like you know who is this guy like what is he talking about he's talking nonsense, but I mean that that is every single bit of what makes up who Dan is, um, and I truly, truly feel like. Our team has really embodied his mindset, and he, he's really inspired us all to be our best selves and kind of, kind of like I said, embody that mindset. And you can see it in the way we play. I mean, We're a physical team. We're tough. We're smart. Um, you know, and, I, I mean, this team can battle through adversity, which I, I feel like is something before Dan we didn't have. And, and now that we have that, I just genuinely feel like this team is equipped to handle anything, and, and that's a credit to Dan and, and the messages that he's given us
1: he's a Texas A&M Aggie. He's from Texas and he's still, I I love that part in hard knocks where he stops off at at little Seven Eleven, gets a cup of coffee and and a couple of tins of skull, right? Or Copenhagen long cup, whatever it is. (laughs) How often do you see him without a dip in his mouth
3: outside of game time? Oh man. Um, That's rare. I'll just, I'll just say it like that. That's rare. He's big, big skull guy, big dipper, you know, Texas guy. I mean, it's, I mean, it's written on his forehead, man, and you got to love him for it. Does he carry around the spit cup? No. <laughs> okay. no No, he does not No, too far,
0: too far. Jason Kabinda joining us here on Amber and Ian let's talk about your quarterback Jason because Jared Goff and, and by the way the, the quarterback y- y'all are about to be facing this weekend as well and Baker Mayfield I mean just two, two hell of redemption stories really in the NFL Jared Goff of course we know what he did in Los Angeles but then getting traded away people didn't expect much from him in Detroit and boy has he proved everybody wrong what is Jared Goff like in that
3: huddle. Yeah, I mean, Jared's Jared's a confident man. He's cool, calm, collected, confident. Um everything that you'd want in your quarterback. Uh and he goes out every week and he does his job. Um uh, you know, he never complains. Uh, you know, when, you know Ben Johnson puts a lot on his shoulders in terms of the offense and the volume and I mean, he does such a good job of handling a week in a week out and and, and you know, if we need extra time with the receivers, extra time with signals, you know, whatever it is, he's always there and available for everybody. So, uh, you know, to me, Jerry's been a great leader. and I, Like you guys said, you know, in terms of the redemption story, I, I think it's absolutely awesome because it, it takes a ton of grit, you know, to be able to go through that, go through with that situation, you know, be here, not necessarily have the hottest start and still have the grit to get through it and come back out on top. So I think, you know, I, I, that's a big testament to Jared and who he is and just the ability to just keep your head down and just keep grinding, you know, and, and, and don't look up. Don't look up until you're, you're, you're where you want to be, and, and that's what we're seeing with Jared here.
1: Yeah, you've done that your entire career also, and and, and for people who may not remember, <laughs> we always remember him wearing 40. I mean, he's 40 to us, right? I mean, a linebacker, <laughs> sideline to sideline at Penn State, even though he wears 45 now as a fullback, For the Lions, but how much does your defensive background as a signal caller, as a Mike linebacker at Penn State, help not just you uh, playing fullback now for the Lions, and, and, and but also maybe your teammates? Where you may be able to see something that you know from your linebacking days that can help in film study, getting ready for the divisional round against the Tampa Bay defense that can flat out hunt.
3: Yeah, you know, it it helps a lot, you know, having that linebacker background, especially playing Mike and, you know, playing a position where you need to know where everybody's at and what everybody's doing. So even though it shows up in more subtle ways, whether it's just subtle tells, uh, you know, being able to sniff out disguises or knowing when a guy's going to blitz or knowing when a a D lineman is going to stunt inside or whatever the case may be, you know, you kind of pick up those tells because you've been on the other side and you've seen kind of what guys typically do to disguise those things. And you see it from the other side of the ball, you're able to kind of anticipate and, and react when it does happen. So uh, uh, that's definitely a, a big part uh, of the mental game. It's helped me a lot to transition to the offensive side of the ball. And then obviously just, you know, playing fullback and knowing the way linebacks are going to fit me, depending on what defense there is, whether they're going to try to spill me inside, they're going to try to box me and contain all those kinds of things. Um, I think having that background helps me a, a ton.
0: Lions fullback, Jason Cabinda joining us here. So it's, it hasn't been that long since 2017, or at least it doesn't feel that long to me. But a lot has changed since you left Penn State, Jason, in terms of college football, NIL, transfer portal. It feels like a whole different world. What do you make of the state of college ball right now?
2: Yeah,
3: um, you know, I, I, I do like some certain aspects of it because I, I truly do believe that the players deserve to get paid. Hopefully one of these days, you know, my, my, my back check will come in um for my days <laughs> i get a little nil piece maybe but uh i'm still i'm still hoping on it, it hasn't come yet but hopefully it'll come um but now you know i i think there's just certain aspects about it that aren't really sustainable you know you look at these bowl games and you know a lot of the kids don't look at the bowl games as serious and to me the bowl games is another opportunity you know it's really your last opportunity as a team to be a team together um, so that's one aspect I really don't like is the fact that there's a lot of kids opting out, not playing the bowl games, not taking them very seriously, and vice versa. That's going to have a certain effect on the fans in not looking at the bowl games for what they are, which are huge, huge games. So um, I-, I think as of right now, you know, there needs to be some level of a commissioner or somebody or, uh, uh, to regulate all the NIL because right now it kind of looks like the Wild Wild West to me. Um, so I, I think there- there's a lot that needs to be done. We need more structure. I, I think everybody knows that, uh, but it's a matter of the how, you know, how it's going to get done. So I'm, I'm hopefully within these next three to five years, they, they have a, a much better looking formula than, than what's going on right now.
1: You know, your old buddy Kirk Street. right now, if he's driving and listening to this, he almost wrecked his truck, just taking both hands off the wheel and clapping going, that's my guy. That's my guy right there. <laughs> Listen that's to him. my dude, man. That's I it, love man. Kirk, man. That's it. Hey, by the way, speaking <laughs> of Herbie, uh, look, twenty forty, right? Still presidential uh, campaign. We we still on track for that twenty forty. Commended for hey, president. It's
3: coming. Hey, it's coming, baby. It's coming. It's in the works. I love it. Hey, <laughs> good luck to you against the Bucks,
1: man, and uh, and congratulations on getting back off the IR and getting back healthy and uh, and helping your team survive and advance in the post city and lift the spirits of an entire city. Thank you so, so much for joining us, uh, Jason, as always here on Ambrianian. Thanks, Jason.
3: Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all. Uh, you're the best,
1: man. I, I, that dude, Amber, I mean, he's, he's again, all-hug team. I mean, I, just one of those guys that you stay in touch with over the years, and he's a leader of men, and one of the guys that Dan Campbell really trusts and relies as a leader in that room. You, you, he doesn't get the stats, right? But you have to have those glue guys, and he's one of those glue guys.
0: Those glue guys are important. Certainly, it will be important to the Detroit Lions this weekend as they host the Tampa Bay Bucks. Coming up next here, On Amber and Ian, are Bill Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons the perfect match? We'll get into that.
1: There are several jobs around the NFL that are open. And there's the
0: greatest coach of all time on the market. You would think he would be a hot commodity all around the league, but it feels like one team has zeroed in on him and he may have already zeroed in on one team. Amber and Ian presented to you by progressive insurance. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons hanging out with you. So Bill Belichick interviewed again with the Atlanta Falcons. Ian, the first time he met one-on-one alone with Arthur blank were the reports, there were some reports out there. It was on a Bega yacht in some Caribbean destination hell of a place to have an interview so he hangs out with Arthur Blank on his mega yacht they get to a talking and now with this second interview he's actually meeting with the Atlanta Falcons as a whole so this is like the more formal it sounds like frankly interview the other one sounds more like an unusual courtesy from Arthur Blank but one that you give and that you offer to arguably the greatest coach who's ever coached the game who you're looking at hiring
1: see I wouldn't say a courtesy I, I would say more of a are you really interested type of interview with the owner, you know, like you, know, you go to his, you know, $250 million yacht, you know, wherever the hell they are in Atlantis or, you know, Baker's Bay or wherever they, the elite go. And you, you ask the question, I mean, it's, it's a informal, you know, let's, let's hey, let's catch some rays, have a martini, you have a steak. And do, are you really interested in coaching my team? So I I don't know if courtesy is the right word I would I would I would go more of a feeling out, right? It's Isn't just
0: it, it's just not something you know, I could see being extended to that sort of informal meeting, I suppose one on one with the owner. It's not something I could see an owner wasting his time on. Oh, if I, don't, I don't he was wasting
1: his time. I think he was trying to gauge true interest. Like, are you right. really interested in coaching again? I saw your presser. Come on down. You know, I'm I'm gonna send the PJ the private jet. Come on down to my big ass yacht. that has a helipad on it, and uh, you know we'll wine and dine in. Are you really interested, Bill, in coaching? Here's you know my roster. Here they are. And by the way, the Falcons. I said this before, and I'll say it again. They're like damn Noah's Ark. They got two of everything. You know, you got you got you know Bajon Robinson and Algier, right? I mean, you got Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I mean, you you've got two of everything on that damn team. The defense is remarkably underrated. You know the one thing you're missing. quarterback Quarterback. that's it which is a
0: problem when we've seen bill belichick coach without one of those guys it hasn't gone so well so there's that
1: but that roster in new england that he assembled as a gm stunk again in case you missed our show last (laughs) night since 2014 they did not have a single draft pick sign a second contract not one
0: it's truly an unbelievable stat
1: they had one Pro Bowler since 2014 that they drafted. You know who it was? Matt Jones, his rookie uh, yeah. year. And then they ruined him by letting Matt Patricia and Joe Judge call plays. The dude never recovered. I mean, he's like he was a pro PTSD. Bowl still, I mean, it was like, yeah. oh, my God. What what happened? So, shell-shocked. Oh, without a doubt. So... To me, that Arthur Blank first interview was, are you really interested? Now, Arthur Blank tells the rest of the the organization, hey, (laughs) come on in. He's interested, and now it's a, what would you do? Here's what we have. How are we going to make this a true contender? And to me, this second interview, if Belichick likes what he feels from the rest of the organization – He's going to be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Some people are saying, there are some rumors out there, that the Cowboys and the Eagles actually did express some interest, potentially, behind the scenes to Belichick, that he wasn't interested in pursuing either of those destinations, maybe why they respectively stuck with their current head coaches. There is that rumor out there and that thought process. There are also some reports out there that suggest that Bill Belichick is very done with big city high expectation media and then he wants to go to a smaller market so to speak i always it always cracks me up when there we call no a place like Atlanta market the small there's no small market but the expectation the pressure with the atlanta falcons it's not the same as new england right now because of the frankly the bar that he set in new england and he set it so high it's impossible to live up to so you go somewhere else some of that pressure gets eased atlanta's a lovely place to live he it's still cold enough like he'll still be able to wear the signature hoodies for most of the year, Ian. But he's not out there shoveling snow, you know, getting caught on ring doorbells. Uh, none of that's happening in Atlanta.
1: Well, as far as the Cowboys go, in Belichick, I, I told you this last week, and I t- I'll say it again now: there was zero chance that Belichick was ever going to be with the Dallas Cowboys. Zero. It, it, even if Jerry wanted Bill Belichick, the first phone call Belichick was going to make was be to Bill Parcells who did coach for Jerry Jones. And the only reason Jerry Jones hired Bill Parcells was to get his stadium built. You bring in a marquee name as the head coach, the taxpayers in Arlington, Texas, fork over the bill because you hired Parcells, and it's a name, and oh, here we're going back to glory. We want all, we want all the restaurant and bar traffic and everything else and the hotel revenue, and that's how he got his stadium built. And then once the stadium was built, Parcells exits out, and I prom- and you know Jerry forced T.O. on him, Terrell Owens, which Parcells refused to call Terrell Owens by his name in any press conference or, t- or even by his letters, T.O. It was always the player you asked about, the player you're talking about. I promise you, Belichick, there was zero chance, even if Jerry money-whipped him, Belichick was not going to go to the Dallas Cowboys. Philadelphia, they still have Nick Sirianni. I'm not touching a, a, a coaching situation where the coach is still in place.
0: And they were just at, in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I the no, expectations I, are sky it, high. That they were of, just in a scoop. Bowl. I'm not getting now, right, least, the Dallas' expectations are, are sky high. I, I don't know how serious the consideration there. I mean, that's somewhat, still, like I said, some of the rumor mill out there. Who knows? What I do know is that Bill Belichick, his success came in what division, Ian?
1: That would be the AFC least.
0: Correct. Exactly, exactly how you said it. So then what happens after 20 years of the AFC East? The Bills finally get it together. The Dolphins start to get it together. The Jets pretend that they're going to get it together with Aaron Rodgers. Right. All of that with the departure of Tom Brady did not go well when all of a sudden there is real competition in that division. Where is there a lack of competition in the other conference? Division-wise.
1: Right now, this year, and it's a year-to-year league. It's a week-to-week league, but it would be the NFC South. Right, and the one that we just that, saw the Bucks win that,
0: with a 9-8 and eight record, right? That
1: roster, as I mentioned earlier, and you know it, it's a very good roster outside of one position. And Kirk Cousins, coming off an Achilles now, right, has already on the record going, hey, I play for Bill Belichick. So if Cousins is already saying it, he's a free agent, albeit coming off an Achilles, could that be the fix for the quarterback position in Atlanta if An Bill Belichick takes a gig?
0: Older quarterback. Ryan is out there. Jacoby Brissett. Oh no. oh, no. no. Tyrod oh, Taylor. No. no Marcus no. Mariota. No. <laughs> Sam no. Darnold. Jameis. Drew Locke.
1: Baker Mayfield.
0: Baker Mayfield. Now that's a little interesting. Joe Flacco as well, a free agent. These are the quarterbacks set to become free agents. Taking a little page out of old Tom's book. Tom went down to the NFC South. Maybe Bill has learned from Tom's ways, (laughs) and that's why he's headed to Atlanta.